Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. What is going on in college athletics? That's what we're going to try and sort out today on the Alana Enquirer podcast. I'm Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher. And think of all the things that have gone on in college athletics over the last year, including the pandemic, which shortened the season, didn't allow fans in most stadiums for most of the year, especially here in the Big Ten, of course. Uh, We did get through the season. We got a, a college football champion. And now we go into a new year where so far... We've had name, image, and likeness become a reality where college football players, college basketball players, and college athletes in general can make money, uh, profit off their name, image, and likeness. We have new transfer rules going on. We have the Alston case, which has changed the NCAA potentially forever because one antitrust case, which was a unanimous decision by conservative and liberal judges in the Supreme Court, a 9-0 decision that went against a very small uh, ruling here against uh, one part of what student-athletes can make, how they can be compensated through educational opportunities, through laptops, things like that. But Brett Kavanaugh, in that decision, uh, in a concurring opinion, basically just said, the NCAA cannot withstand any other antitrust case. So that is going to change college athletics. That's just a very short synopsis of a very complicated, very significant ruling on the future of the NCAA and its model. Oh, and then just a week before training camp start, let's get some huge conference realignment information out there, huh? Texas and Oklahoma, the two premier programs of the Big 12, are leaving their conference and likely joining the SEC. It's all but done. So the SEC only becomes stronger. The rich get richer. The Big 12, what is its future? And what does this mean for the rest of the Power 5 conferences, whether it's the Pac-12, the ACC, or of course, right here locally, the Big 10? We're going to try and sort through all of this. Why is this happening right now? Why are Texas and Oklahoma leaving? What does this mean for the SEC? What does this mean for the Big 12? Can it survive? And what does this mean for the Big Ten and Commissioner Kevin Warren, whose approval rating isn't that high just a year and a half into his tenure, which has been a very tumultuous tenure. Some, uh, by his doing a lot of it, not uh, came in a very interesting time. But this is a very big time for the Big Ten and college athletics. And we try to sort through it with Chris Hummer. He's 24-7 sports national college football writer. He tries to walk us through why everything is happening right now and how this could all play out and what it means for the future of what college football and college athletics looks like. Chris Hummer joins us next on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Talking now with Chris Homer, 24-7 Sports National College football writer. And Chris, uh, what a week uh, to be a college football writer, man. What's what's it been like for you? Uh, it's been it's been wild. I live in Austin, so it's been it's been doubly kind of interesting. It's been quite the experience. Uh, this came out of left field for pretty much everybody I've talked to. Um, maybe not on the Texas side, but like media, uh, other Big 12 officials, um, just people in college football in general. I had one AD tell me the other day, like, shouldn't be a shock to see anything in college football right now, but even that came as a shock. Um, so it's it's been a wild week. And then I also deal with like transfer portal and a lot of other things here. So it's, it's been a mix of just craziness. So what is the reaction for Texas Longhorns fans in Austin? Like, are they excited? Are they bummed? Is it a mixture of both? I think it's mostly excitement. I think generally the idea is Texas fans are in here. Like we could play Kansas and Kansas state every year at home, or we could get Tennessee and South Carolina, maybe or Georgia and Florida or whatever the SEC schedule is going to look like. So from that perspective, I think people are excited. Recruiting is going to get better. I don't think anybody questions that at Texas if they win, of course, which is another another task for the Longhorns recently. So I think from that perspective, there's a lot of excited fans. Money's going to be flowing in. Never has stopped at Texas, but there'll be more of it. Um, I, th- I think there are a couple concerns about competitiveness, but I don't think if you're Texas, you can be scared of that type of thing. You kind of have to embrace the challenge. So we'll see if they can finally put together a decent run because uh, it, it's certainly going to be a difficult runway in the SEC. So I'm having flashbacks to the early 2010s, like EDM is pumping on the radio and LeBron's on the heat and no one knows who's playing in what conference. And, you know, Texas at that time, there's some rumors about the Pac-12, but Texas kind of always been the Big 12, right, with Oklahoma. And so it just begs the question, why are Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, Chris? It's, as I understand it, it's... It's not really about the Big 12, and I guess it is in part. Um, I think it comes down to money, I guess I should start with. Um, the Big 12 distributed, I think, the third most per conference, Power 5 conference recently. I think it was like $36 million per school. The SEC, with their new deal with ESPN, is expected to be closer to 55 60 especially when you bring in Texas and Oklahoma to that. So you're talking about a $20 million difference, which is pretty significant. It's a big reason why uh, Mel Tucker... For example, is that Colorado or went from Colorado to Michigan State? Uh, Michigan State was able to pay him like four point five million dollars a year, and Colorado can only offer like three. So the Pac-12 makes significantly less money than the Big Ten, and it makes a difference on the field. And I think 
um, athletic director Chris Del Conte in Texas and Joe Castiglione in Oklahoma are trying to be forward thinking with that. They have the extra money in the SEC, and then there's also going to be long-term stability. Um, we're heading towards a time of quite a bit of movement in college athletics. We're already seeing an NIL transfer portal and the Alston ruling at court and many other things that are happening in college athletics right now. Being in the SEC, which I think unquestionably with Oklahoma and Texas is the top conference in America right now, gives them long-term stability and can kind of allow them to weather whatever storm comes next. Yeah, so the money, obviously, and that's where the Big Ten's been in, in a good spot. The SEC, obviously, in a good spot. Uh, but I was going to ask you, why is this happening now? Like, how much does all these other things, Austin, NIL, uh, the pandemic, all of that, like, how much does does that play in a factor here? I think it plays somewhat. I, I guess I should be more specific. I, I didn't do a good job explaining this. So the Big 12 grant of rights is up in 2025. Earlier this year, it wasn't treated as a big story, but the Big 12 – went to some of the partners like Fox and ESPN and was essentially like, hey, can we renegotiate early? Those networks declined to kind of redo the deal, which lends to some instability. That's probably not the right term there. Uh, When the Big 12 goes up in 2025 to renegotiate those rights, there's no guarantee they're going to get more money, essentially. Um, Texas and Oklahoma, I think, saw that. They read the tea leaves. And then they decided to make the jump. They decided to reach out to the SEC. And that's, from my understanding, that's how that worked. It wasn't the other way around. And now they're headed to the, uh, to the SEC. And I, I, do think, I do think things like Austin do matter in the situation. You can make a pretty strong argument that, especially after this move, Greg Sankey is the most powerful person in college athletics. And we're going to see college athletics change. I don't know if the NCAA and AA is going to go defunct. I don't think that's going to happen. It's a pretty powerful institution, but I would not be shocked to see over the next 20 years, pretty significant change in the structure of college athletics. And I think the SEC has set itself up to be a leader in that charge and to kind of put yourself in that group of teams as two of the most historically significant programs in the conference, I think matters to the uh, athletic directors of Texas and Oklahoma and their presidents as well. So that's, that's why you've kind of seen them set up with that move. Yeah, I think we all go towards, is the Big 12 going to survive? But let's go on the flip side. Like For the SEC, what a coup, right? I mean, what what does this do for them moving forward? They're richer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's what it is, man. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to renegotiate their ESPN deal, but I certainly would if I was Greg Sankey. I'd be going to the table and be like, hey, like, we got two of the best programs in America, two of the richest programs in America, two of the most – and demand programs in America. Let's let's make some more money out of this. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if ESPN shells out another $10, 15000000 million a year for those two schools. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Longhorn Network. Our colleague Chip Brown reported earlier today the $150 million remaining on that deal might actually be used to buy Texas and Oklahoma out hmm. of their current contract. Um, it'll be interesting. The Longhorn Network is going to go away, I'm sure, um, with all of this. But for the SEC, you add two of the biggest brand names in American college athletics, and that's a huge thing. And when you're talking about a 12-team playoff potentially here in a couple of years, like I think the SEC just basically locked itself up four spots a year at a minimum. So Chris Hummer, does the big, or can the Big 12 survive this? It can. They're going to have to act really aggressively uh, to do so. A lot of the Big 12 schools now are exploring their options. Um, you're going to, depending on the party, you're going to see different things. Like Kansas State is very invested in keeping the Big 12 together. Kansas State's probably the least attractive program of the remaining eight. But teams like Kansas, teams like Baylor, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, they might have some more options. Um, TCU, uh, another 
potential option. I think I've heard Pac-12 rumors about them, Pac-12 rumors about Baylor, ACC rumors about Baylor, ACC rumors about West Virginia. Like it's flying all over the place. But I think there's a scenario where the Big 12 can be aggressive and they could add um, members kind of in their eastern flank. You could add Cincinnati, UCF, um, Memphis, schools like that that bring a lot to the table. Because I think going forward, one of the most important things is those schools might not be traditional powers, but you're looking for programs that have a large alumni base and especially a large active and young alumni base, those that will purchase screaming subscriptions, those that will allow your conference to reach more living rooms, not in the traditional sense of cable, but through streaming. So there is an avenue where the Big 12 adds six teams, they get back to the 12 number and they're still a relevant conference. I don't know if whatever they would put together still be a relevant power five conference. We might be down to four in that regard. But I do think the Big 12 can salvage this and put together a strong league still. So it feels like everybody outside of Texas, Oklahoma, and maybe some people at the SEC were shocked by this across the country, Chris. So uh, the Big 10, the Pac-12, the ACC, how does this impact them right away? Like if you're in those offices, what what needs to happen? I think it depends on the league. If you're the Pac-12, I think the onus is on you to be aggressive in expansion. Um, that league needs a kickstart. The Pac-12 network certainly needs a boost. Um, you have 12 teams already. Like you're going to see a 16 team league in the SEC. Like you have room to expand. I'm the Pac-12. I want to create a Texas wing. I'm adding TCU. I'm adding Texas Tech. I'm adding Baylor. I might add Boise State or whatever team you want to. Colorado State. What have you? Like I want to be aggressive. It's a little more complicated for I think the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten's natural partners would be Kansas and. Iowa State, um, I know they're both research institutions. And if you're going to add them, I think they both bring something of value, especially Kansas for basketball. That is a that is a program you can build a product around, essentially. You can bring in extra revenue streams from. And Iowa State, if Matt Campbell stays there, I think is a long-term, a long-term interest to football. And getting the Cyhawk rivalry in the league, I think, would be really fun. The ACC, I think, is really complicated. Um, their television contract is really re- prohibitive and restricting. I think it goes through like 2034 or something like that. And unless they bring in a Notre Dame type team, they're not going to be able to add more to that contract. So that means instead of splitting it 14 ways from a revenue perspective, they're going to be splitting it 15 or 16 ways. And I don't know how attractive that's going to be to teams in that league right now. So while it might sound nice to add West Virginia, like I, I don't know if West Virginia adds to your revenue pot, it might take it away. So they're kind of in a sticky situation unless you can assure yourself of Notre Dame. So that's kind of the layout from what I understand now, just talking to people at this moment, but obviously it's real life. And so anything can change in a second. Uh, the big 10 is, was aggressive under Jim Delaney, adding Nebraska Rutgers, Maryland, and some people didn't like the Rutgers and Maryland thing, but it certainly has brought in more revenue through the, the cable subscriptions. Um, so Kevin Warren, this has been not been a great first year and a half for Kevin Warren uh, as commissioner of the big 10. Uh, but the Big Ten does seem to have a strength here, right, Chris? I mean, the the money they bring in is equal to the SEC, but it feels like, hey, hey, we got to keep up with them. So I agree with you. I think Iowa State and Kansas are natural, uh, would be geographical, cultural, academic fits. But do they need to get more aggressive? Because I didn't think Texas and Oklahoma were necessarily SEC territory, but they go in and get the, those schools do they try and steal from the Pac-12 or or steal from the ACC because they're making $20 million more per year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I know I know Jim Delaney was pretty aggressive, but 
the, I think I always think of the big 10 as kind of like the stable cornerstone of college athletics, like for better or worse, like they're not going to, they're not going to act aggressively. They're not going to do anything crazy. Like they are the academic and kind of like, I don't know. They're like your uncle who's too serious about wearing a tweed sport coat all the time or whatever. And like as a professor and it's just very high minded about everything. That's how I think about the big 10. And I, I have a difficult time seeing the big 10 going and poaching USC and Oregon or what have you to kind of strengthen their league. I might be wrong and like good for Kevin Warren. If I am like, that would be an incredible move, but that does seem very out of character for the league. And maybe this is my personal bias setting in. I don't want to see USC and Oregon or USC and UCLA and the big 10. It makes no sense. Like I like regional football. I don't like Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC personally, but even that like makes some regional sense. Like Texas is kind of its own thing, but I think you can quibble and say Oklahoma and Texas are Southeastern teams, even if they're more central, central United States, at least from a, from a, from a personality standpoint, I think those match, but I I don't know. I, I think Kansas and I think Kansas and Iowa state do strengthen your league. It's certainly not, Oklahoma and Texas, but I think it would help. But I, I would, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see how it goes. Like, yeah, with Kevin Warren, he's he's certainly does need to be aggressive. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Chris. Like, I, I like the regional part of college football, and I'm not a huge fan of Texas and Oklahoma leaving because I know it means these other uh, conferences got to add, and it just kind of takes it away. And that that first round was kind of similar, uh, and that that begs the question of how does this all impact the fans? Right. I mean, I understand why it's happening with money, but I, I don't know if you pulled fans like how excited they are about this. Well, especially in the Big 12, if you're not Texas, Oklahoma, but I think across the country, you know, you add one team or two teams here, but changing everything, one conference kind of being dissolved potentially uh, seems like way too much for, for most fans. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you, but I, I grew up a regional college football fan. I didn't really pay attention to the national scene. Like I, I watched Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, Baylor. Those are the programs I grew up watching. And like if Texas was in the national championship, that's awesome. But like I, I cared about the rivalries in the state. And I don't want to speak for everybody in college football. There are certainly a lot of fans that love just having big games every Saturday. And this will be great for them, like Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC. There's going to be lots of interesting matchups. But I think most fans across the country probably do care about the regional rivalries more than they do anything else. And this is unquestionably bad for them. We're heading towards a place in college football where it's not going to resemble what we grew up watching 20 years ago. Um, I think 20 years down the line, it's very possible we have some sort of NFL-like model, two large conferences. Um, people are traveling thousands of miles for away games. You can't drive to your local away games. You're not getting to talk crap to your coworkers because you beat their alma mater over the weekend. Like TCU and Texas aren't going to play anymore, even though they're like 200 miles away. Like I, I just think that's we're heading towards a place where that's a thing in the past, and that's sad for me. And I think it's probably sad for a lot of fans too, although. I can't say I've spoken to every fan uh, in America right now. What is the end game here? I mean, you mentioned it, super conferences. Uh, Is the SEC going to just try and super league this thing? Um, You know what I mean? Like you hear rumors of Ohio State, Michigan. I don't don't see them leaving the Big Ten ever, but you never know in this day and age. So like, where do you see this end game? I hope we don't go super league on them. Although if we go super league, I hope the college football fans do a similar thing to the – right. Premier League fans, or I guess every every fan in Europe, right there. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll be really interested. I think I think we've been heading in some sort of Super League direction for a long time. 
I don't know if it'll be anytime soon and I don't want to predict that it will happen, but we saw this with Texas and Oklahoma. What we saw, and to be blunt, we saw two athletic directors and two university presidents act in selfish um, self-preservation interest. Like that's what happens. Texas makes more than any other athletic department in the country. Um, Texas is not hurting for money. I live here. I've seen their South End Zone project. They're building another basketball arena like 20 feet away from the South End Zone right now. There's so much construction going on. There's so much money flowing through that athletic department. And this move was made in large part for money. And if that's the case, we're going to eventually have 40 to 50 to 60 schools in college athletics who make more money than everybody else or capable of making more money than everybody else. And if this type of self-interest continues, we're going to see a product of college football that's going to look significantly different than what we do now. I don't, I don't know what it'll look like, but I, I know there's a lot of athletic directors out there that have been worried for a long time about the direction that college athletics is heading. And it seems like we're heading closer to that instead of kind of backing away and um, reevaluating post pandemic. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. What do you kind of think is going to happen? Yeah, I think you're going to have, I mean, I, I struggle to see the big 12 because I just feel like it's rats scurrying on a sinking ship, right? Like it's like Kansas state is just like trying to hold this thing together, as you said, because it doesn't feel like they're going to have a better option, but there are plenty of schools that will have other options and their fans are going to want to, their athletic directors and, and presidents and chancellors to kind of save themselves too. Right. So, um, you know, Oklahoma state or TCU or Baylor, like if you can get to the PAC 12, I, I don't see why I wouldn't. So, I mean, maybe it's too simple in college football. It doesn't seem simple all the time, but for super leagues, right? Like four super conferences where you kind of feed into this college football playoff. And I, that was one of the last things I was going to ask you, Chris is felt like, College football playoff was expanding. It was going to be simpler. It was going to allow the Big 12 uh, more opportunities, the Big 10 more opportunities. And now do we just set reset on the 12 thing, <laughs> 12 school thing we we're going to do and and figure this out whenever we figure out who's playing at what conference? I don't know. I think, I think the idea was 2023 for the opening of the playoff. But like, if we don't know what these conferences are going to look like, what's the impetus to move forward with the 12 team playoff? Like I would be reevaluating. Got to be super awkward for Bob Bowlesby who was working really closely with Greg Sankey on this 12 team playoff idea. I don't want to have Greg Sankey behind his back coaching his kind of two tentpole teams. So if I don't know if I'm Bob Bowlesby right now, like, and I don't know what my league's going to look like. I might, I might push for 10 conference champions instead of the top six, like, because the Big 12 is most likely, no matter who they add, not going to have that cachet of a power five league anymore, uh, given the teams on its kind of uh, plate right now. So, like, maybe 10 conference champions. I don't know. Maybe to go back to the negotiating table. I've had a couple people speculate that just kind of in random conversations, but there's a lot to be undecided. And I, if anything, right now, I just think it makes it less likely that we expend sooner expand sooner with the playoff than maybe later i think 2023 was the date as i said just a second ago that people were targeting and now like who knows it might end up being much later because of all this realignment talk chris before i let you go and always appreciate your time is it feels like for the last two years we've talked about anything but like on the field football so as training camp starts up what's what's the biggest What's the biggest stories of, of the 2021 college football season outside of NIL, outside of Austin, outside of conference realignment, like actual football? Yeah. What's football? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. This is. Um, yeah. That's a great question. I don't think I've had, I don't think I've written an article about right. football in a while. Um, nationally, I think it's probably Georgia. I know, I know 
Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson are kind of the favorites. But Georgia has everything it needs to make a run in the national championship. Kirby Smart has had five straight top three recruiting classes, I believe. Like, he's got the ammunition. So if Georgia's going to make a run, they've got JT Daniels as their quarterback, a potential Heisman candidate. Like, it's going to be now. So I, I think that's a big one. And then, oh man, yeah, I don't know. I, I I need to get into preseason magazine season. That's what I need to get. I think I, I think I'm getting a more specific question. But yeah, I, I look at Georgia, and then I also look at this as kind of the year of the California quarterback. If we're going to be honest, um, you're going to look nationally. You've got JT Daniels at Georgia. You're going to have CJ Stroud at Ohio State. DJ Uyunglele at Clemson. You're going to have Bryce Young at Alabama and then Matt Corral at Ole Miss and I'm probably forgetting one or two quarterbacks as well Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA not quite on that same level but I I do think this is the year where we see California quarterbacks take over nationally and they're going to dominate the conversation well Chris uh, thanks for letting us sort through this thing or at least get some thoughts out there on it because it's just it's a whirlwind <laughs> I, I don't know if i sorted through anything and i apologize to your audience <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know if uh, anyone outside of texas and oklahoma and the sec have sorted through all of this so we're we're all with them right now but chris appreciate your time man yeah absolutely thanks so much for having me great stuff from chris hummer you can follow him on twitter by the way at chris underscore Hummer. Uh, he's really one of the bright rising stars in this in this business. I'm glad he's on our team. Uh, and he always is, is willing to join us. So I really appreciate Chris and his time of, of what this means moving forward. And I, I said it with Joey Wagner. I mean, the Big Ten can get really aggressive, try and poach somebody because they have that kind of earning power. When you're making $20 million more a year per school uh, in your payouts, your conference payouts, than the ACC or Pac-12, the Big Ten's got some heft to throw around, right, if they choose to do so, uh, if they get a little cutthroat with it. Or you have some natural, uh, I think, regional academic fits in Iowa State and Kansas. I know that's not going to get a lot of people excited, but I, I it would for me. I think those are really good programs. Uh, Iowa State, maybe not so much uh, in those sports, but right now they're pretty good. They're committed to their sports. Obviously, they've been committed to Matt Campbell, who's done an unbelievable job there. Kansas football has been bad, right? Really bad. It would give Illinois another chance for a win there in football, but the basketball program's a blue blood, and, that, and that's a big brand. That's a big brand, and there's natural rivalries there, right? Like there's a lot of natural rivalries that could work out there. So to me, makes uh, some sense to add those, but is that the best thing for the long term? Those are the decisions that the Big Ten has to make, all these different schools have to make, all these different conferences have to make, because two of the premier big brand college football programs and college athletic programs are leaving the Big 12 uh, in the wake and uh, going to the SEC, where that's that's as good of a conference as we've ever seen, right? Um, So the Big Ten's got to try and keep up with that, in my opinion. We'll see what happens next. Stay tuned to IlliniInquirer.com for all of the latest uh, with Illinois basketball, Illinois football, but our national team at 24-7 Sports, Chris Hummer, Brandon Marcello, they've been all over this as well. Great analysis, great reporting on all this. So check out the national site as well, 247sports.com. Appreciate listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Later this week, we'll have more on Illinois basketball. Derek Piper has been on the recruiting trail. Io DeSumo getting ready for the draft. We'll have a preview of that. And we're hoping to catch up with an Illini basketball legend later on this week as well. So follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Rate us, review us. And if you don't 
don't uh, have the VIP access yet to Illini Inquirer, it's a great time to do so. We are rolling through our position primers for Illinois football as we lead up to training camp start on Monday. And of course, all the basketball recruiting information, football has a visitor today. You can check that all out at Illini Inquirer. And it's just $1 for your first month of VIP access. So try that out if you haven't yet. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.